Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I thank you for tuning in today. I think you'll find this episode particularly informative. Dr. Louise Akey, author of Why Dogs Can't Eat Chocolate, will be checking in shortly to explain exactly what it is about chocolate that is so toxic to pets. She also has a ton of information about other common household goods that are just plain deadly to animals, and I suspect some of the items on our list will be a surprise. Then, after our halftime break, Stephen Latham from ShelterMe.com launched an amazing project that shines the spotlight on animals and shelters. So don't touch that dial, and we'll begin after a quick message from KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and my guest for this segment has just joined us. It's Dr. Louise Aki. Good morning. Good morning, Marie. I'm so glad that you're here today. You have an amazing background in in a field that affects probably people and animals, and I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, I'm a pharmacist, have been a pharmacist for 35 years, but I also have done poison control work, mostly people, but occasionally pets. Ah. And my interest has been how medicines work and how to take them safely. Oh, that's good. And what, and I know that you have also kind of focused your attention on things other than medicine uh, in terms of animals, and you wrote a book, Why Dogs Can't Eat Chocolate. <laughs> right, yes. That's something we try and talk about a lot on the program because so many things that we eat at the dinner table that we share with our pets have chocolate in it, and is it all bad? Not necessarily. But okay. what's interesting is chocolate. Our pets love chocolate. I Dogs know. particularly yeah. love chocolate, probably as much as humans do. Mm-hmm. If they can get into a bag of chocolate or into a pet plate of brownies, they will usually continue eating it until all of them are gone. How many of us can relate to that? <laughs> We're all raising our hands. <laughs> yeah. But we have an advantage that they don't. There's a natural compound in chocolate called theobromine that's a, related to caffeine. Okay. That's the, the some of the good stuff that you get when you get a latte or a coffee in the morning. Theobromine is a relative of that, but we detoxify it very rapidly. Okay. So is is it potentially a little bit toxic for people, too? I always thought that chocolate had you know, a lot of good things in it. That's anyway what I tell myself. <laughs> yes, the dark chocolate has certain kinds of natural ingredients in it that also are good for you. But the theobromine in it and the darker the chocolate, 
the more theobromine it will have. Mm-hmm. Dogs cannot detoxify it re- readily. Uh-huh. In fact, most animals do not detoxify it readily. So what goes in sits there and sits there and sits there. And if a small dog or medium-sized dog eats enough chocolate at one time, then it can cause seizures and even death. Oh, wow. And does it accumulate in the system if they can't detoxify themselves? Yes. In fact, some people might think, oh, well, my dog had uh, ate, ate some chocolate and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So my dog must not have any problem with that. But one of my neighbors had a one-year-old beagle, mm-hmm. real cute little guy, and last Christmas, they had some brownies, they had people over, and before they realized, he had climbed up and eaten the rest of the brownies. Oh, oh no. my gosh, oh my gosh. But nothing happened. Uh-huh. So the next day, Christmas Eve, you know, he's fine. You know those chocolate oranges that are wrapped and they've mm-hmm. got all those, you know, their little sections of chocolate and they right. smell so good? Well, mm-hmm. he found one of those, mm-hmm. ripped it open, and ate the entire thing. Oh. And again, they thought, oh, no big deal. Christmas morning, or Christmas morning, they wake up and he's vomiting, he's having diarrhea, he's shaking, he's obviously very sick. They take him to the emergency vet and he died Christmas day oh, from the chocolate poisoning. But for him, it took two uh, ingestions back to back like that. I but see. yes, what goes in, it just doesn't come back out rapidly. Mm-hmm. And what's perfectly safe for us can be deadly to an animal, and that's true with medicines and certain foods as well. What are some other real important items that almost everybody has around their house, food items that should not be given to animals, or or medicine that you happen to have around the house too? Grapes and raisins. Okay. There's no safe dose, and what it can cause is kidney failure, and by the time the dog or the, uh, the animal starts to show signs, then pretty much the kidneys are gone. And that's a very sad and tragic thing to have happen. It is. One of my office mates actually had a a scare a few months ago where her labs had gotten into one of her closets and pulled out a whole big bag, Costco-sized bag of raisins and ate the whole thing. And they were in the emergency room probably close to a week. Her her bill was phenomenal. (laughs) Fortunately, they all survived, but it it was quite a scare. And I know there's so many other things. I've heard once, and maybe you can tell me if this is true or not, that onions are bad. Yes, both garlic and onions contain a natural compound that causes the red blood cells to rupture. Oh! So if you start losing red blood cells right and left, it causes a a real problem and can can actually be... um, life-threatening as well. Is that both cooked onions and raw? Or yes, or? both. Okay. Both. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, another thing that you might not think of is xylitol. Xylitol is a sugar substitute that dentists will often recommend because it does not promote tooth decay. And that's in a lot of... Uh, Gums. Gums right. and mints. And candies and, and some other uh, candies, yes. Yeah. And you can buy it in a powdered form to use as a sugar substitute in baking. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem because okay. dogs will 
eat the cookies, eat the brownies, and get enough. There's no safe dose of xylitol, so you want to keep mm. your your xylitol gum, your xylitol mints, and powder away from your animals in a safe place. And that's so hard to do because you never know when you're going to drop something out of your purse, and and dogs are lightning fast. <sighs> And you know, I have I have Scottish Terriers, and mm-hmm. the two there's two of them that will compete. They'll see something drop, and they won't even stop to tell to see if it's a food item or not. <laughs> they just want to beat the other one to it. <laughs> I got it, and they're going, "Oh no!" Oh so gosh, that's one of scary. the recommendations that pet poison centers uh, strongly urge is when you're taking your pills, take it away from your pets. So if for some reason you drop one on the floor or, or, heaven forbid, spill your pill bottle that you that they don't have access because they are smaller than us. Mm-hmm. And they also can, um, one pill, one heart pill designed for a 150-pound person. If you have a 15-pound dog, mm-hmm. that's like you taking 10 pills at once. Yeah. It's potentially very, very dangerous. Okay. The other thing is like chocolate. Many medicines and foods don't act exactly the same in animals because they all have their systems are different than ours. Okay. And so it's really, really important that you never, ever give a pain medicine, a human pain medicine, to your pet. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. What if you had like a little baby aspirin or something and you, you cut it? you know, maybe into quarters or something like that. that. That's not okay either. Call your vet and talk it over with them okay. and for two reasons. One is if your pet is in pain, mm-hmm. it may or may not be, um, the pain may be a very important signal and there may be something wrong and you should talk it over with your vet. But number two is Tylenol, ibuprofen, naproxen, they're the most common medicines that we use. Mm-hmm even aspirin, can be very dangerous to pets, and they do not react to them the same. Tylenol, in particular, is extremely toxic oh, to cats. Okay. Cats can't tolerate any. It's, it's, it's deadly. Wow. So talk to your vet and ask, for my dog or my cat, what would you recommend if they have a fever? What would you recommend if they have, you know, an injury or whatever that, you know, Whatever, get it taken care of. Get get something for them before, so that you aren't in a, tempted to give them one of yours. Makes sense. Let me ask you this: You're in a situation. You've spilled your medicine all over the floor in the bathroom, and your door is open. Your dog comes in and just starts eating up everything off the floor. Can you give your dog uh, Ipecac syrup? Did I say that correctly? You did. And, you know, years ago when I was uh, answering the poison phone, we're talking 1980s, mm-hmm. we still used that. And I I lost track of how many parents I instructed on how to use that. But it is not reliable at all in okay. dogs. Okay. So I recommend that you call a vet veterinary, a pet poison center, and there are three national pet poison centers that you can call. They do... Um, have a small fee, but it's not very much. It's somewhere between uh, 35 and $60 usually, but th- that will cover the entire management of that ingestion. But you never, ever want to induce vomiting without being instructed to do so okay. because many times you may use, use 
do, in, you may get more damage from vomiting than you did the first time going down. So you don't oh, want to okay. automatically um, use Ipecac, which doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, hydrogen peroxide is what you want to have on hand if they do recommend um, inducing vomiting, and you'd only need about four ounces at the most, and that would be a big animal. So um, I keep a bottle at home, and I get a – I have Scottish Terriers, and, you know, they – they aren't real keen on drinking stuff that you want them to drink. <laughs> so I have an oral syringe that I got at a veterinary supply place, you know, like one of those farm and ranch places. Mm-hmm. Not a, a oral syringe, and I just rubber band it to that so that if we ever had to, we could um, take care of that quickly because we live out in the country. So. Okay. So so you need to have everything uh protected and ready to go if you need to, and, and I'm sure you probably have the most prepared household on the planet. Uh, we had a we had a raisin ingestion too. Somebody oh left a bag goodness. of raisins on, oh. on a you know on the floor in a bag and they found it and yeah, we yeah. had to use that and it works actually uh quite quite quickly. But again, I I worked with a pet poison center and there are three mm-hmm. national pet poison Centers, their phone numbers are 1-800 numbers or 888 numbers. Okay. Uh, I can give those numbers out to, to Actually, your listeners. Actually, we have such a short amount of time. I want our listen, listeners to know where they can find your book, Why Dogs Can't Eat Chocolate. That is available at my, currently at my website. Mm-hmm. And the website, or you can just put whydogscan'teatchocolate.com. Okay. Or Why Dogs Can't Eat Chocolate book into Google. And you could also... Uh, Go to www.askdrdrlouise.com, and that, that's there as well. Wonderful. The ebook is now available on Amazon. Oh, great. I know a lot of people like uh, shopping through Amazon, and, and they can actually help uh, animal shelters by shopping on Amazon. We talked about that a few weeks ago on our, our our production. And it has been so good talking with you. This is great information, and I want to thank you for stopping by the program this morning. I appreciate being able to talk with you as well, Marie. We need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, Stephen Latham, the founder of ShelterMe.com, will be here to talk about a very special pet project. So stay right where you are, and we'll get started after an important message from KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and I'm so pleased to introduce our next guest. It's Stephen Latham, the founder of ShelterMe.com. Good morning, Stephen. Hi, Marie. Great to hear. Great to talk with you. I'm so happy to be talking with you, too. I've been following your Shelter Me project, and I have been so impressed. And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about this project, how it all got started, and and what your plans are with our audience. So right off the bat, I just want to say how much I love shelter pets. I have three of them. I'm currently fostering a few more. Wow. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm very passionate about letting people know about the incredible animals that are at our local shelters and what they can do to help. I and, am right with you in that boat. Yeah, I created this project called Shelter Me, and it consists of a national 
PBS show, a television series. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do is we tell great stories about shelter pets. I mean, how people's lives are improved when these animals are given a second chance. And once we can really tell people to get to their shelter, I wanted to give them another tool that would get them to participate, to be part of the solution. And we came up with a web platform uh, called ShelterMe.com. And it's a simple tool that lets anybody go to the shelter, spend time with a cat or a dog, take photos and video. You can use your smartphone, your point-and-click camera, professional camera, and then you upload that information to ShelterMe.com to help get that animal adopted. It becomes the go-to website to find your new best friend. Oh, that is so cool. So so the people who actually volunteer and work at the animal shelters are taking these videos and photos? So the beauty of this platform, which is why there's nothing like this out there, is that anybody can do it. So, yes, we have volunteers and staff members doing it, mm-hmm. but, Marie, you can do it. I can do it. Your listeners can do it. Um, it's an open platform, so you don't need to be a volunteer. You can just go into your local shelter and um, ask anyone there to say, I'd like to see that dog and go into the play area and take photos and video, and then you write up a little description of what it was like to be with that pet, and presto, you are virtually fostering a pet and uh, can let other people see this animal to, to encourage them to visit the cat or dog and to get them adopted. Oh, that is really neat. I know that I, I spend a lot of time at the Irvine Animal Shelter here in Orange County, and one of the things that I've noticed is that there are certain animals who routinely get overlooked, and some of those little guys have been there over a year, and they have no forever home, and, and there's nothing wrong with them at all. In fact, they're, they're friendly, they're smart, they're clean, they're healthy, but people just walk right past their kennels and don't even give them a second thought. So to be able to promote them like this and to show the world what their personality is like, that is just brilliant. Well, you just, you just nailed it. I mean, that's, that's the purpose of this project. So we have people that are making profiles of just cats. We have people that are dedicated to the senior pets. And some of the senior pets are the ones that get overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of animals um, in our local shelters, such as pit bulls and chihuahuas, that are remarkable animals. But because there's so many of them, um, when you go to a shelter, it's easy to walk by them and not necessarily give them the time they deserve. And those that are sitting in the kennels for an extended period of time especially need our help. Mm-hmm. And the act of doing this um, and making a profile is certainly important, and it, and it really gives people something to do that they can feel good about, that they're actually participating and helping these animals. But you have no idea how great this is to get a dog out of the kennel. I mean, as we all know, these are incredibly social animals. Right. And when they get to spend more time with people, to become socialized, mm-hmm. to actually be out of their kennels and into a play yard, it does wonders because... A lot of times when the public is visiting a shelter, they'll see an animal in the play yard, and that animal shows so much better um, their personality than when they're sitting behind bars in a kennel. So the act of just the public going into a shelter and going in with smiles and making this a very joyful place and really be thinking of the shelter as 
an adoption center versus the pound. Right. Change will happen, and I promise you we're seeing that change happening with these profiles as we speak. That is very cool. Some shelters have very strict rules about who can take an animal out into a play yard. And unless you're a serious adopter, some shelters will actually refuse um, your ability to take an animal out and, and play with it for a while, unless you are a trained and approved volunteer. So it might be advisable, if you wanted to really participate in this program, to go ahead and enroll in a volunteer program at, at the shelter of your choice. There's no question. I mean, I'm, I'm a volunteer at a number of shelters, so I can actually go and, you know, I have a key and I can bring the animals out and I can interact with the public. But what you'll see at a lot of shelters as well is um, that the general public can participate in this process and they can go to the Long Beach uh, shelter, for instance. You know, you can just go and talk to a volunteer or a staff member and say, I'd like to see that dog, and mm -hmm. they will bring that dog into the play yard. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts. You know, you're, it's a public shelter, and you want to see that dog, and it's your tax dollars, so great. And then you can do this. Um, if you are a volunteer, great. yes, you, have, you can have more access, but if you're underage, um, we're having groups of students going to shelters, um, you know, throughout Los Angeles, and they go with their teacher. So they actually have a guardian, or they go with their parents. Mm -hmm. And there are all kinds of ways to still participate, and that's what we're really encouraging. And if some of these shelters do have rules, um, we have seen them being able to change them when there's a demand. So. Um, we all have to remember what's at stake here. It's the animals. Okay. And sometimes there are rules that are a little old-fashioned that can be updated. And what we're encouraging is that the community and that the public become partners of the shelter and go there. And we want to give people reasons to get involved, even if they already have a pet mm -hmm. or if they can't afford a pet or if they live in an apartment and they're not allowed to have a pet. We want to include those people into becoming a partner of the shelter to really improve the lives of our animals. That's very cool. And if you do come across a shelter that's just real hard-lined and won't let you interact with the animals, can somebody still upload images of an animal behind the shelter bars? Would that be acceptable? Well, we really encourage um, taking the best possible photo of a pet. Okay. and. So what, what you'll see is when you go to ShelterMe.com, um, what you'll see is a really well-designed site that has a slideshow, multiple photos of a pet, multiple videos, mm -hmm. a real personal description of that pet. Um, and so we really discourage anybody taking photos through the bars because okay. it sends the wrong message. Um, you know, it's, it, it's not necessarily the, the best lit. Um, and I would say a solution to that would be to talk to the volunteers or the staff to ask them to upload the photos to ShelterMe.com oh, because we really want to make sure that we're putting our best foot forward and giving these animals the absolute best chance of finding a new uh, loving home. And images matter. A good photo, a good video to really you know, bring out that pet's personality because what we want is anybody who's going to ShelterMe.com to look at profiles to imagine that animal in their home. Sure. And we'd love for them to fall in love with this pet before they even get to the shelter. So, <laughs> so having the best possible photos and video really um, 
is is important for this process. Well, that makes complete sense. And and speaking of videos, tell me about the PBS series that you work on. So I've been doing. Um, I'm a filmmaker, and I've been doing um, you know documentaries for for 15 years. And this is by far my my favorite project. Um, <laughs> I'm passionate about animals, and and the reason I created this project uh, was because I felt that there were a lot of stigmas about shelter pets and the wrong message being sent about these animals. I mean, I have three shelter pets, and they're they're my family. And when I hear Anybody saying, oh, it's the pound or an animal ended up in the shelter because they did something wrong, these are all stereotypes that are erroneous. And I like to consider Shelter Me as the antidote to the ASPCA Sarah McLaughlin commercial. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is about hope, Uh and this project is about optimism, Mm -hmm. and it's about solutions. So what I really set out to do with this storytelling is to show how extraordinary these animals are and to let people know that these animals have been failed one way or the other. And a lot of the public doesn't realize that a shelter animal could have ended up in the shelter because somebody moved and it was a family pet and they just dropped them off at a shelter. Mm -hmm. Or an owner might have died and had nowhere to go. They didn't have any plans in their will, so the animal ended up at the shelter. So you have to imagine that this animal is also scared and confused. One day they were sleeping on their, you know, guardian's bed and the next day they're in they're in a shelter. So yeah. so these are the these are the the information that I really want to convey to the public of why they need to get involved with their local shelter. So I was very fortunate when I started this project um, to have PBS um, distribute the series, and my sponsor um, is Ellen DeGeneres' company uh, Halo Purely for Pets. So I created this TV show called Shelter Me that's airing nationally on PBS. And what we do is we tell these incredible stories of what happens when shelter animals are given a second chance and are paired up with people. Um, We've done three episodes. The current episode is hosted by Edie Falco, and you can see our trailers for all the episodes at ShelterMe.tv. And we have a really big Facebook community that tells these incredible stories about these pets at Facebook.com slash ShelterMeTV. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I wish you the best of luck in everything that you're doing and hope that you keep in touch. Well, thanks for looking out for the animals. It's appreciated. You're very welcome. And and we love animals, that's for sure. But we need to take one last break of the morning. Don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Have you ever wondered what the perfect dog is for your family? Not sure where to go to find the answers? Well, you're in luck. Tomorrow at the Park Bench Open Air Cafe in Huntington Central Park from 9 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., you can discover the world of dogs and find what the perfect dog is for you big or small, shedding or not shedding, laughing jokester, serious house sitter, nanny dogs, reading dogs, police dogs, or independent old souls. Investigate fun things you can do with your own dog. Try rally obedience or agility. Explore sports and volunteer activities. Learn from those who live and play with different types of dogs, what they are all about. 
Everyone is welcome with or without a dog. It's free to attend, and all the festivities take place in the meadow behind the Park Bench Cafe at Central Park. And that's located at 17732 Golden West Street in Huntington Beach. For more information, visit www.savkc.org. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show. You can also visit us on Facebook. Just add slash Pet Place Radio at the end of Facebook.com. We've got lots of fun things there. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spare new to your pets and have a wonderful day.